So if you've been here the last couple weeks, then you know that we've been talking about, I guess, kind of a message series that we've been calling The Glorious Church. And God just really put it on my heart a few weeks ago to get to, to come and to preach and to share a series of messages um, that he just kind of opened up to me about how powerful, how glorious, how amazing that the church Jesus came to establish truly is when she's functioning and working the way that Jesus really empowered her to work and, and assigned her to work. That quite frankly, there's no greater, more transformational, influential organization on the planet than the church when she's working and thriving the way that Jesus has created her to. And uh, this stuff just really gets me so excited, and it, I feel like it's such timely stuff because, you know, we're, we're in a day and an age where the church has, in a lot of ways, kind of lost her voice and, and lost that influential position and place in society, the way that she was created to have, the way that she's intended to have. And uh, with everything that we see happening in our world all of the time, there's no question. Uh, you can't deny that when you see terrible things all of the time, that there's evil behind uh, so many of these horrific acts that are going on. And it, where there's evil that's, that's uh, raising its head and it's threatening our, our lives, we have to have a response to that. And thankfully, thank God, we have a response that is greater and more powerful and more significant than whatever the enemy can actually threaten us with or come against us with. But that the church can not, isn't going to automatically just be the church that she's created to be if her members aren't like an army rising up with a full awareness and a full faith of really who we're created to be and walking in that purpose and destiny that Jesus has appointed us to. Um, the church could become silent, it could become irrelevant, it could become uh, very almost like private lives that are powerless when in fact we see that that's not at all the picture that Jesus gives us whenever he talks about the glorious church that he's establishing while he's still here on this earth and then we see in the scriptures after that. And so the first week we talked about how it's a growing church. The second week we talked about how it's a unified church. Last week, we talked about how it's a gifted church, gifted for marvelous works. And this week, I want to talk to you about how the church is a conqueror. It's a conquering force that conquers, that takes, that overpowers, that subdues all the things that the, the enemy would try to come against us with. Um, and to me, this is... This is very, very powerful stuff. I suppose it all is, really, but this is so powerful because this one, the conqueror, is, I think, a picture that if we get a hold of, we will see 
in today's age is really very different than what we actually see from the church right now in the United States, and that there needs to be a major change. There needs to be a major shift in the way that the church is functioning and how we view and see her as the conquering force that she's really created to be. And so I want to begin by having you open up your Bibles to John chapter 16, John chapter 16, and this is great because we just finished up our life groups last week. How many people enjoyed this session of life groups? We studied the gospel of John. Just a few people. Okay, well, maybe we won't bring them back then. All right. No, I know everybody had a great time. I heard lots of awesome testimonies. And so uh, in the book of John chapter 16, let's read in verse 33. These are words of Jesus here. He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we're going to build up to this whole idea of the church as a conqueror, and I want to take you kind of through a series of steps, if you will, that I feel like will help you understand, will help you see, will help you get the revelation of this. And the first thing that we look at is Jesus says, look, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. That's a part of what happens in the world, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. All right, now that word overcome is actually a word that means to conquer, It means to swiftly, overwhelmingly conquer and to achieve victory. So Jesus is saying, look, you've got to get this picture that really what's going on here is that there are two different kingdoms that exist. There are two functioning kingdoms. There are two kingdoms. There are warring kingdoms, okay? And so the first kingdom is the kingdom of of this world. The Bible uses that a lot. It says, of this world, all right? And that kingdom of the world is the kingdom that is ran and influenced by Satan himself. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that Satan, he is the prince of the power of the air and that his spirit is at work in the sons of disobedience. So in the world, guys, we have to view that, that this is like a kingdom, These are spiritual kingdoms, and Satan is reigning and ruling over this first kingdom. But then there's a second kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom that Jesus brought forth with him, and it is is the kingdom that when he says, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So there are these two warring kingdoms, and the kingdom of heaven has actually achieved the victory, has won over the kingdom of this world. It's powerful stuff, he says, to conquer, to swiftly overcome, and and to have continual victory over. Jesus is saying, listen, these two kingdoms, they're going on, they're at war, I've already achieved, I've overcome in what I'm doing, I've won the victory, the kingdom of heaven has won. The kingdom of this world is subdued, it is defeated, okay, now, it's interesting because this is just a little fun fact, but that word overcome or to conquer is actually a Greek word that you pronounce nikeo, and 
it's where the Greeks actually derived the word for their Greek goddess of victory, of conquering, that they called Nike, which is where the very popular brand Nike derived its name from. Did you know that? That the Nike, me, do you have a Nike swish on your shirt? That's okay. Just do it. That's right. You know what that means? That means to conquer. Now, we're not into Greek goddesses and mystical things, but the point is, is that that word Nike is a word, Nikeo, Nike is, is, is the name for the God, but Nikeo is a word that means to achieve victory, to conquer. So, you know, really, we ought to all be walking around with Nike swishes on. You know, Sam, you got Under Armour on, you're in the wrong boat, buddy, all right? And we ought to see that swish and we ought to say, that's who I am. I'm a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. As you see these two kingdoms, these warring kingdoms, Jesus has given us a good picture, and he's saying, look, our kingdom, my kingdom, has won the victory. Now, when you think about kingdoms, guys, you got to understand that kingdoms, they operate by a set of rules and principles and laws, okay? So thankfully, we live in a country, a nation, not really a kingdom, but for the sake of the message, just kind of look at it like that, that is a free nation that has incredible freedoms, but there's also laws that come along with those freedoms that say if we do certain things, then we know we'll experience certain consequences. But we have the freedom to walk in certain things that are unquestioned, that are unthreatened, that we have every right to participate in because we are a citizen of this kingdom. Are you with me? If we lived in a different kingdom, let's say France or Germany or England, then those set of laws that govern that kingdom would be entirely different. There would be different freedoms. There would be different restrictions, different consequences. Are you with me so far? So what you got to understand is that there are two kingdoms that are at war, and there is a kingdom of heaven that operates by a certain set of rules, a certain set of principles, a certain set of guidelines, and then there is the kingdom of this world that Satan is the, is the reigner over that has a whole nother set of tactics and schemes and different things that it functions by. And if you follow the laws of this kingdom, it will bring you into great despair, it will bring you into to great defeat, and it will bring you outside the purposes and the plans and the will of God for your life. But if you walk in line with the kingdom of heaven, the rules and the principles that govern her, then you will experience the full authority, the full reign, and the full victory-conquering ability that you were created and meant to have. And so we have to recognize, listen, we have these two kingdoms and they're always at war. That's why, that's why Jesus said whenever he was going through the... Uh, uh, the trial, he said to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, he said, no, my kingdom is not of this world. I am a part of a different kingdom. The laws that govern my kingdom are different than the laws that you are abiding by and operating by right now. We're not even in the same sphere of what we're talking about. You're living and being led by a great deception and a totally different kingdom that you're living and operating in. I'm a part of a different kingdom. You don't even understand the laws and the things that govern where I come from. Isn't that amazing? And guys, listen. What we have to understand is that we 
are, if we know Christ, if he's, his spirit is in us, then we become citizens of that kingdom, of the heavenly kingdom. So Jesus said something interesting in John chapter 3. He was talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, and Nicodemus was actually kind of open to what Jesus was teaching and saying. Many of the other Pharisees condemned him, you know. And Jesus was talking about how, he says, unless someone is born again, then they're never going to see the kingdom of heaven. Uh, And Nicodemus is like, what do you mean? How are you born again? Like, we've already been born, and he didn't get it, right? And because he was thinking on a different kingdom level. And so Jesus says, listen, you know, that's basically, it's like a second birth, all right? Think of it like this. There's two births. We are born physically into this world. That is the first birth. But there's a second birth, which Jesus is saying, born again, that we experience when we confess Christ is our Lord and Savior. When we accept Jesus and his Holy Spirit then comes to live on the inside of us, we are spiritually born again. There is now the life of God living in us. We are alive with Christ eternally from that point on. So he's saying there's two births, just like there's two deaths. We die physically That's the first, but for those who don't know Jesus, they will die the second death, which is destined to eternity in the lake of fire. See, so when we're born again in the second birth, here's the huge point I'm trying to get to, that we are then born into full citizens, full rights, full authority, born into the kingdom of God, the conquering, victorious kingdom that Jesus came and establish the victory over. Are you with me so far? All right. So we know, open your Bibles actually now to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to read a couple verses here. And this, this is why there's so much in the Bible that when we see that there's these two kingdoms and, and the world is basically the way the Bible refers to the world is, is the kingdom of this, of this earth. It's why the Bible says so much, don't love the world. Don't love the things of the world because if you do, you're partaking of things that are from a different kingdom. It's, it's why the Bible talks about that we are actually in the world but not of the world. That we can actually walk in and dwell in this earth where this other kingdom is functioning, but we can operate by and live by the principles and the rules and the laws of a different kingdom that's more powerful, that's overcome this kingdom of the world, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, really, like in our lives every day, what kingdom principles, what kingdom am I really living more in line with? Am am I conquering and overcoming on a consistent basis the things that are coming against me? Or would I be more accurate if I were to say that I'm actually probably being conquered? I'm being subdued. I'm being beat down. And I'm, being, I'm losing the battles that are coming against me on a regular basis. Listen, I just want to challenge you with this today. If that's the case, 
that you may just need to see and get a revelation of the fact that when Jesus said you're born again, you're born into as a citizen of a different kingdom and you have full authority and full rights. And when Jesus said, I have overcome the world, he's saying, I've conquered, I've beaten that kingdom, I've defeated that kingdom that dwells and works on the earth right now presently that Satan is over. I've already defeated it. And now listen to this. This will blow your mind. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, it says here, for, who, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. It's so clear. Who are overcomers? Who are the conquerors? It are those who are born of God. Who are those that are born of God? Those who are born again. Who have the saving grace of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. It's like we step into a totally different bloodline of spiritual authority. It's a part of a different family than we were ever a part of. That's why the Bible says that we're, we're not citizens of this earth, right? So we become citizens of a different kingdom. Guys, if that's the case, are we living in this world according to the rules and the principles of the kingdom of heaven, or are we being driven more by the principles of the kingdom of this world? And that's what we need to, to see, is that he's saying, look, it's by faith, your faith has achieved the victory. So it's not anything more than believing in Christ Believing in the message of the gospel, being born again, having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us that establishes our identity. It's like now we are officially a part, a citizen of that new and victorious kingdom. Think about this. When you were born into the earth, you were born into a family. Right, You have a last name, you're a part of that family, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, that, that's the family that you were born into. And I know a lot of things happen and, and people get distant from family sometimes, but the point is, is that you're born into that family, right? And, and if being a part of that family uh, be benefits you to certain rights and privileges... You're, you're not going to question that. Let's say that you go to a party or something, and then they say, oh, this party is for the, for the Kurth family, or this is for the Costello family, or you know, this is for, for, for this, such and such a family. And then you say, oh, I'm a part of that family. Yes, I belong to that family. That is who I am. That's a part of my identity. You don't question that. If that's who you are, you don't turn around and say, oh, man, doggone it, I'm not going to be able to get in today. Because that's not, you don't forget what family you're a part of, right? See, when we, re when we look at this, we ought to see we're born into a kingdom, a family 
that Jesus has given us that full conquering authority and power. He's already defeated the kingdom of the world. And so now we actually walk in that full authority and power over whatever it is that the enemy tries to bring against us in our life. And that will always be a battle. The enemy will always be warring against the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, ultimately to get them to not live by and function by the principles of the heavenly kingdom kingdom but by his worldly kingdom through things that he tempts us with greed and lust and all these different things he wants us to live by and satisfy all of our needs in our life based on principles of his kingdom and he doesn't want us to walk and live in the authority of that kingdom of heaven that we're really fully citizens of because he knows if that's the case he is defeated every single time so listen to this in genesis Chapter 3, this is interesting. So in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, this was after Satan tricked Eve, and God comes back, and he, he deals with the situation, or God comes, he deals with the situation, and he says some things to Satan. He says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. You know, we are part of that her seed, right? Because we're sons of Christ and sons, daughters of Christ. He shall, the seed, bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Listen, the picture we see of Satan that God gives to us and, and, and establishes for his children is a picture of Satan's head underneath the foot of Christ and underneath the foot of the seed of Christ, which are the sons and daughters who are belonging to the kingdom of heaven. He's saying there is a crushing that is happening of the foot of the children of God to the head of the enemy. It's a devastating blow. And we, because of what Christ achieved in his victory, participate in that crushing, that conquering of Satan with our own feet over his head, not be it by any virtue of our own, but by the Spirit of God who lives in us, who identifies us as citizens of the kingdom of heaven that has achieved this victory and this conquering defeat. Isn't that powerful? So where you say, okay, pastor, I see that Jesus has conquered, there's two kingdoms, and that I'm born into this other kingdom, and that I'm a conqueror too. I see all this, and listen, this is where I want to kind of finish up going with this today, is I want you to see that the church is a conquering church, and each member of the body needs to be functioning and living a conquering, victorious life. Because as the some of the members are walking in victory, are conquering in their own daily lives the schemes and tactics of the enemy, then overall the whole, the church body, is conquering and defeating the enemy at the different passes and the different places in our society that he is trying to push back and prevent us from having the authority over. 
And when you look at the landscape in our, in our nation and you see what's going on, it, you're, you're disturbed by the fact that you don't really see the church conquering and, and victorious in all these sections and segments of society where she really ought to be influential, conquering, and transformational. It seems very absent or very silent in the political landscape much of the way. It seems in the business world and and, in the way families and morals and all these things that are a part of the world that we live in, guys, we're, we're in the world, we're not of the world, and he's saying the church should be conquering and should have victory in all of these places. There shouldn't be a sense that the church is being defeated or conquered because she isn't. She's already achieved the victory. She ought to be conquering and defeating the enemy at all of these passes. Amen. And I think about something in, in, back in the Old Testament. Okay, And when Israel was called out of Egypt and it was given a promise of a promised land that was a part of the original promise to Abraham. Like, God's saying, this is your purpose, okay? This is your promised land. This is your destiny as a people, is to occupy, to reign, and to dwell and possess this land that I'm giving you. Now, this is really cool stuff, because that picture is a foreshadowing of the fact that the sons and daughters of the Christ, of the Messiah, would also walk in a purpose, a destiny, and a promised land, if you will, which is our spiritual destiny, our future, and what God is calling us to in our lives. And in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, when they're getting ready to come out of the desert and actually go into the promised land that God had given them, Joshua is talking to the troops. He says a few very interesting things. And listen to this. Verses 4 and 5. First of all, God speaks. He says, From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So he's saying, I have this whole plan, this whole promised land, this whole destiny and purpose reserved for you. I've created you for this. In verse 5, he says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. So you see that if there's ever a time where another man or something of this world is keeping them from having that promise that God is giving them, then something is off and something is not right because that's not what God is, is creating them for. He says, no man should be able to keep you from having what I'm giving to you, from having the ability to possess and, and dwell in this land. And then when you jump down to verses 10 and 11, Joshua says this. He says, then Joshua commanded... The officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. See, the promised land, the purpose and the destiny that God has created us for, just like the promise he had for Israel. It's, it's something we have full access, full authority into. But 
when they crossed the river and they went into the land that God was giving them, they had to go to war and they had to conquer their enemies in order to take it, in order to possess it, in order to dwell in it, in order to inhabit it. They had to conquer, defeat, and keep the enemy from coming in and and occupying it or taking it back from them. And we are a part of a kingdom that is a conquering kingdom. It's an overcoming kingdom. And for us as individuals and for the church to walk in its full authority, its full purpose that she's created for, we will have to conquer, consistently conquer and overcome everything that the enemy tries to bring against us because he will try to keep us from taking territory. He will try to take territory back and away from us that we've perhaps already achieved. That's why he's trying to occupy all these places in our society, in government, all these strongholds, all these pillars of a society that function. He's trying to occupy. He's trying to make his kingdom the reigning kingdom, are you with me, in all of these areas so that the children of God and the victorious kingdom will actually not have reign in these places. And quite frankly, he is achieving that in a lot of ways. And that is a very disturbing thing because that's not the picture of the church that we see Jesus came and established and empowered and the rights that he gave her to function in. See, I believe that the church needs to be winning on these fronts and needs to be conquering on these fronts in a massive, massive way right now to shift the tide of this battle, of the warring of these kingdoms so that the kingdom of heaven can begin to reign and can begin to function in the lives of the people and across the land the way that she really, truly is meant to function. Isn't that amazing? Because you see, we're going to get to uh, one more message that's going to be about the bride of Christ, and it's going to be about the return. But when, when Jesus comes back, it talks about how he comes back for a glorious church. You see, it's not a weak, defeated, irrelevant church in the time and the dispensation that he comes back in. It's a victorious, conquering, rising up of an army, powerful church. That's what we are citizens of. It's not we're spectators. We are part of that, which means that we, too, carry that bloodline of conqueror, that identity of conqueror in our own lives over all the schemes and tactics that the enemy would bring to keep us from our promised land, to keep us from our purpose and our destiny. We are going to have to use the authority that Jesus gave us to conquer him and to take from him what he's trying to keep us from having that God is truly purposed for us to have. Isn't that amazing? Stand to your feet with me today. Listen, see, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In the New Living Translation, it says, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. It's clear. We're at war. There's a battle. There's two kingdoms. Now, the victory has already been won, but there are battles 
that we have to fight and we have to execute and stand in the authority of that victory that Christ achieved so that we can literally conquer the enemy. We can defeat the enemy with every scheme and tactic that he continues to bring against the children of God and against ultimately the body of Christ, the overall whole. And so we, ha- we can't be getting conquered. Are you with me? We can't be led around and kicked around and tossed around and defeated and down. I mean, it's not who you are. It's not. Just like you wouldn't go be a part of a kingdom with great privileges and freedoms and rights and then just forget it and, and live in slavery willingly. We, we don't walk in the kingdom of this world and live by the principles of that. We, we walk in it, but we live by the principles of a different kingdom. We walk in a different authority. We're conquerors. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 8, 37, it says you're so much more than conquerors, actually. That means that it, it actually puts the word hyper in front of Nikeo, hyper Nikeo, super victorious. I'm a super conqueror, man. Say, I'm a super conqueror. This is rich stuff. I don't know about you, but this gets me fired up, man. Hallelujah. Father, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I sense your presence in this place right now. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Help us, God. It's a revelation that we need, God, of the kingdom that we truly are a part of. Reveal, God, the schemes and the tactics of the enemy to us. Help us to see the lies of the kingdom that he operates by. And help us to step up, to rise up. Each of us as members help the church to rise up mightily in a widespread way our members growing victorious and bold, conquering on massive fronts. It's like battles just being swept away, that the the kingdom of heaven is just winning by landslides in all of the different segments and places of our society, God. We have it by birthright. Help us to walk in what you've created us to have we speak to and we declare victory and conquering today in each and every person's life in their own battles in their own fronts that they're fighting victory God conquering the head of the enemy being bruised at the bottom of our feet thank you Jesus for winning in achieving that victory and conquering death, sin, and death so that we too could live as conquerors. In Jesus' name I pray.
church is, she's powerful. She's mighty. She is a force to be reckoned with. She's not irrelevant, silent, or powerless at all. She is truly the game changer that we need in this world. Let us be the church. Amen. May you go in the peace and the favor of God. May his countenance shine upon you. May his strength rise within you. And may joy and peace be among you like a blanket everywhere that you go. And have a beautiful day.